0: This sermon will kick off a series that will take us through the month of June, and I'm excited about it. I am a prodigal, not anymore, I'm a prince, but I was a prodigal, so it takes one to know one. In fact, my friend Dr. Jake Carroll, when he was pastoring in town, before he came home to serve this house, he said one time to someone who was asking what the statue was outside, He said, well, that's Ron and Ronnie. (laughs) And I'm fine with that characterization of what that statue represents. It is the prodigal son. It is from Hebron, Israel. We saw many artifacts and things that were made by the same man who made that while we were in Israel. It is a picture of what this church was built to do. It's a picture of what this church is called to be, a place where everyone is welcome. No matter what you've done, where you've been, what you look like, you're welcome in the Father's house. The Father's house is not about how good you are, but about how good God the Father is. And for some of you parents, I would ask this question, do you have a prodigal or have you ever been a prodigal? If you're saved, you've been a prodigal. I hate to break it to you. If you've ever received authentic salvation, you've been a prodigal. Because a prodigal is anyone who is going the opposite direction from their destiny. And if you've ever been lost, then that means that you have had no purpose. You have been fighting with the Spirit. And you have been unwilling to surrender your life, pick up your cross, and follow Jesus Christ. Have you ever been told by someone that you have provided for, or maybe it was a son or daughter, that they no longer wanted to have a relationship with you? Have you ever been betrayed by someone that you thought loved you? When Jesus would teach, he would deliver something called a parable. He would speak in parables. The word parable consists of two Greek words, para, which means beside, and bowl, which means to throw. So whenever Jesus would communicate, he was a master communicator, he would throw something spiritual besides something practical so that his message would penetrate the ears of the religious, of the tax collectors, of the sinners, of the scribes, of the Sanhedrin. Jesus spoke in a way to captivate every listener and he would use parables to throw beside. Jesus would often take an earthly story and hide a spiritual meaning within that story. There were many times when the story was very easy to understand, but the spiritual meaning was much more difficult to understand. In Matthew chapter 13, the disciples asked Jesus, Why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus responded by saying, It has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to them it has not been given. In other words, Jesus would say, I have to hide truth in a parable. In Jewish culture, a young male would not receive his inheritance until age 30 or if his father had passed away the oldest son would receive a double portion. Why is that important to this message today? Because in the story of the prodigal son, for those of you who are familiar with the story, at the very end of it, and I hope to get there today. If not, we'll get there next week. The very end of the story, there is an elder brother who can't celebrate the return of the younger brother. There is an elder brother who I believe had a religious spirit and an orphan spirit all at the same time, and he could not celebrate God's grace on someone else. To the degree that he stayed in the field and he heard music and dancing, he smelled the cooking of the fatted calf, but yet refused to come in and celebrate his brother that was once dead, but now had returned home alive. The principle here is The ungratefulness of this elder brother doesn't get preached about enough because as the eldest brother, he was to inherit a double portion. So if you take what the prodigal squandered on riotous living and what the father did to restore the prodigal and you added that together, it would still be less of an inheritance than the elder brother would receive according to Jewish culture. So he was ungrateful, and he couldn't celebrate God's grace on the younger brother. It's interesting to me, and I know I'm preaching this from the end of the beginning, but that's the way the Spirit said to do it. It's interesting to me that the father does not chase the prodigal, but chases the eldest brother. The father goes out to the field for the religious ungrateful brother, but he makes the prodigal get to a mucky pig pen and come to himself before he comes home what principle should we learn here it's a principle that took me many years to grab a hold of because when I started preaching some 17 years ago I came out swinging like a boxer at the religious crowd I mean I came and I hammered the church people as hard as I could every time I preached there were some things that were unhealed in me about my past and my childhood and things I had experienced and God spoke to me through this parable and said you know what the father loves the religious ungrateful person as much as he does the prodigal because the father loved the elder brother enough to go after him out into the field and so what we have to learn if we're going to be Abba's house Is the religious crowd is welcome in this place but the sinning crowd is welcome in this place too. Everybody has a place in the father's house the parable of the prodigal son is so profound for a number of reasons. First the audience it says a few chapters earlier in the gospel of Luke that there were tax collectors listening that there were sinners listening that Pharisees were listening, that scribes were listening and and how do we know this because it says that the Pharisees and the scribes says this man receives sinners and eats with them, they were insulting him as he was teaching them the parables of the lost coin, the lost sheep and the lost son, of the wheat and the tares of all of these different truths of the kingdom, they are criticizing him because of the amount of sinners around him The other profound thing about this story is that it challenged every person listening. It challenged the sinner who was living a prodigal life. It challenged the Jewish establishment because in Jewish culture, if you dishonored your father or your race, that was the worst crime you could commit. If you squandered your inheritance on Gentile living, it was the worst sin of dishonor you could commit. That's why Jesus told this story. He was not only preaching about the Father's love, he was preaching against racism. He was preaching against elitism. He was preaching against a false doctrine of who God was. And he wanted people to know that God is indeed a Father and that he was the Son. Jesus would say, If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. God is our Father. When Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Only in Isaiah do we hear a prophetic word of Jesus coming, being born of a virgin and being our everlasting Father. Jesus Christ is the gateway to the Father's mansion. He's the gateway to the Father's blessing. He's the gateway to the Father's kingdom. And through the Son, you can receive everything that the Father has for you. God loving us as a Father still stands in opposition to every religious devil on planet Earth. Judaism made it almost impossible to know God as Father. One of the basic needs of humanity is to be loved by a father, to be affirmed by an authority figure. Abba is the Aramaic word for daddy. It's one of the first words a child will learn even before mama is Abba. Abba. Jesus cried out for Abba in the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew chapter 26. We cry out Abba in search of our identity through the anointing in Romans chapter 8. And the Spirit cries out for Abba in our hearts at our adoption. When God adopts us as his own, Galatians 4, 6. If you've never prayed to Abba, if you've never cried out for Daddy, you are missing a key element in your deliverance, in your healing, in your salvation, in your anointing, in your identity. If you've never cried out to God as Father, friend, you're missing out. You're missing out. On a loving relationship that will bring you peace and you know the story in Luke 15 the prodigal comes to the father and he basically says dad I wish you were dead because he was not yet at the age of accountability it was too early for him to receive his portion but he says dad give me everything that's mine I don't need you I don't want you and the father interestingly enough gives the son his portion early and the son travels to a far country and he wastes his living on partying and wild women the Bible says riotous living I mean just let your imagination roam with me for a minute I bet the first few months he was buying everyone's tab at the bar I, I, I bet he was with different men and women and, 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 and I bet they tried to elect him to political office I I bet he was the most popular person in that far country for a season. But when the money ran out, the luck ran out. Doesn't life have a way of bringing us to our knees? When the money ran out, the popularity ran out. When the money ran out, the women didn't find him as attractive as they did before. And, And he's broke, and he's busted, and he's disgusted, and he's ashamed, and he ends up a Jew in a pig pen. Now if you know anything about that culture, they don't eat that kind of meat and they consider a pig to be disgusting and filthy. But this man has not only shamed his family, his religion, his father, wasted all the money, now he's in a pig pen eating pig slop. And the Bible says in verse 17 of Luke 15, but When he came to himself. Never underestimate the power of coming to yourself. Never underestimate the power of a divine kairos moment. Never underestimate the power of the anointing of God that chased me in a bar room one night in 2005 and the stories I'd heard a hundred times from my buddies started to get stale that night. The Jaeger started to taste cold and dry and unfulfilling that night. The Spirit rose up in me and said, This isn't who you are. This isn't who I created you to be. This isn't what I called you to do. And the Spirit of God hounded me. And he's no respecter of persons. If he chased me 18 years ago into a bar, he will find you where you are, be it a pig pen, a palace, a hotel room, a cracked house, a gutter. God will find you in your misery. He will find you in your broken state, and he will pick you back up. But when he came to himself, when he came to himself, see, some of you forget where you've been, where you came from. You've forgotten granddad's prayers and grandma's prayers. You've forgotten those church days when you were little, when God touched you. You've forgotten the power of Pentecost. And you need to have an awakening inside you as to who you are and get back to who you were created to be. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? and I perish with hunger. In other words, I could work for my father at an entry-level position and eat better than I'm eating in this life of rebellion. See, the father has provision for his children. He goes on to say, I will arise. See, it wasn't enough to come to himself. He had to take action. He said, we've had enough charismatic feelings and falling up, falling out, this movement, that movement, but let me tell you where the rubber meets the road, it's when you rise up and you put one foot in front of the other yourself with your own flesh and your own strength with the Spirit leading and you begin to change your life. He said, I will arise and I will go to my Father and will say to him, and you can see the young man on the way back home rehearsing this speech, Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. And I'm not worthy to be called your son. And oh, would you please forgive me? Lord, I, I, Father, I just need a job. I Just pay me minimum wage. I, I'll never do this again. He's rehearsing this speech. And then all of a sudden, as he's rehearsing this speech, and he came to his father, the Bible says, when he was still a great way off, the father saw him, had compassion on him, And ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Whoo, listen to this. You see, fathers didn't run to their children in Middle Eastern culture. It would expose their legs. Their tunic would lift up. It, it, It wasn't what a father was expected to do. A father was expected to be strong and steadfast and firm. And so the fact that Jesus would say in front of the Jewish crowd and the Gentile crowd and the sinning crowd and the tax-collecting crowd that the father ran to this son, it was scandalous, my friends. It was a picture of God's scandalous grace that this father would run, fall on his neck, and kiss this boy. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, the speech he had rehearsed, and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, and Jim and Ron, I'm going to come have you help me just a minute. He says to his servants, first, he says, bring out the best robe and put it on the son. Now, what this meant was that his sonship and his royalty had been restored in full. So, in other words, the father said, look, I'm not just going to give you a job working entry level. I'm not just going to pay you minimum wage. I'm restoring... To you, the position of a son, of an heir, as it says we are as Christians in Galatians. I'm restoring to you your royal destiny. But he doesn't just stop there. He says to the servants, he said, Look, he said, get out the best robe. Let's restore to him his sonship and put it on him. And then they put a ring on his finger. You see, what the signet ring represented in that culture was like a credit card, a platinum card. So when the prodigal would go into the market and the people were whispering, look at, look at that guy, he's the one who lost everything, he's bankrupt, he filed bankruptcy, he shamed his dad. That he could just go into the market and he could just, and he could buy whatever he wanted. You see, what I've learned about religion is we love to see people get saved, but we struggle with seeing them blessed especially if that blessing supersedes our blessing, especially if they rise to a level that we've never attained. We love to see them on their knees in repentance, but, boy, we struggle with seeing them blessed. And when you learn about God the Father, you learn that he doesn't just restore to you your position as a son or a daughter. He also restores to you your wealth and ability to create wealth. Oh, some people don't like that. Then it says put sandals on his feet. The the sandals represented that he was above that of a slave because only sons could wear these particular shoes. So his sonship was restored. His wealth was restored. His position was restored. And then he said, kill the fatted calf. The shedding of blood represents our redemption. Kill the fatted calf. Hire the best band and let's celebrate. My son was dead and now he's come home and is alive. And they began to throw a party. And the music was playing. And they were merry. That is a picture of what the church should be this Pentecost Sunday. Every time someone drives by Abba's house, they should hear the music of redemption playing. Every time someone drives by the Father's house, they should feel a call home. Every time someone drives and sees that statue that's not living for God, maybe they're an atheist, maybe they're uh, controlled by Islam, whatever it may be, when they see that, they should be led to the Father's house. And frankly, they should be welcomed before they get here. They should see people celebrating and waiting on them with a smile that says, Thank you. We missed you. We wouldn't be here without you. Thank you for spending your Sunday in the Father's house. I've been begging for seven years for our parking lot to be that way. James Tanner and Jim and so many of them serve so faithfully, but we need a hundred more that will quit looking at that as a position of lowliness and as a position of ministry. Where when prodigals come by, we spot them and we bring them in and we love them and we find the robe and the ring and the shoes and we endorse a party for them like the Father. Every Sunday should be a party endorsed by Abba Father. It should be a party endorsed, the best music, the best worship, the power of God, the spirit of joy. The party restored the joy of the Son. How do you know when you've lost influence in a person's life? When your voice is no longer heard? When your advice becomes irrelevant? When your influence is ignored? When your love is rejected? When correction brings disconnection? When your trust has been broken? When your resources are wasted? When your provision is taken for granted? Being an earthly father is one of the hardest jobs on planet earth. I am one. I have three boys and I can attest to that. I heard a preacher tell a story one time about his conversation with God about his own son that was a prodigal and he said, God, I'm having trouble with my son. I'm having trouble with my children and the father spoke back to the preacher and said, I have that same problem. How do you think the father feels when he looks at how we live and knows what we think? Here's what we say. Sees how we act. Don't think you're on an island by yourself, parent, all kids sin just like you sinned. They all struggle, but they all have a spirit inside them that will recognize the voice of a father, and they will come home. For those of you praying for a prodigal, what are the six agents God uses to reach the prodigal? Now, this is our culture, It's not every culture, but in our culture, I believe these are the six agents God uses to reach a prodigal. The first one is a preacher. Bible says, how will they hear without a preacher? See, in a day where we minimize the gospel, minimize sermons, minimize church attendance, minimize preachers, make fun of them, find fault in them, understand this, that the foolishness of preaching under the Spirit of God with the Word of God is still a life-changing endeavor. And if a preacher won't preach the truth... Some will not hear. Preachers. Number two, parents. God can reach a prodigal through parents who pray, through parents who love, who parent, through parents who are spirit filled. The third way God uses to reach a prodigal is pain. And some of you have spent thousands of dollars and many hours protecting your child from pain from going through the things of this life when God is trying to reach them and you are in the way of God's process. You have coddled your kid, you have babied your kid to the degree that they can't function without you. When the goal of a godly parent is to push them out of the nest and connect them with Abba. Because you aren't going to be here forever to baby them. They need to know God for themselves. They need to know how to pray down the Spirit for themselves. They need to know the value of seed and harvest and kingdom for themselves. They can't live off your legacy through pain. The next agent God uses, especially in this part of the country, is police. You see, some people want to act like they want their kids to come to Jesus, but they won't pray a prayer like, Lord, if you have to put them in jail for 1129 to reach them, go ahead and do it. Sometimes if you really believe in this salvation thing, you'll pray for God to bring pain, to bring the police, to bring a charge. You'll pray for those things just so your child will connect with Abba and be who God has called them to be. The next agent God will use is poverty. Yes, the poor will always be with us. Yes, the sick and destitute. And as a church, we should help those people. They will always be with us, Jesus said. But for some people, everybody say, Some. God will dry up your prosperity if that is indeed your God. He'll dry it up. You'll lose it in the stock market. You'll lose it in investments if that's what it takes to get you back to your knees you'll lose every bit of it. Next, the pig pen. The pig pen. See, if you ever get desperate enough to pray the pig pen on your prodigals, you'll see God show up. But you've got to take your hands off and trust Abba with it. How does God respond to the prodigal? We've already said he ran to him. If a Jewish son lost his inheritance among Gentiles and returned home, the community would perform, and I didn't know this till recently, a ceremony called the kizaza. And basically what they would do is break a large pot in front of him and yell, you are now cut off from your father and your people. They would shame him This person, they would reject this person publicly. Many scholars believe that the reason Jesus added this tidbit about the father running to the son was because he didn't want the son to reach the village where he would be publicly shamed and cut off. And let me tell you, some of you deserve rejection, like I do. Some of you deserve shame. Some of you deserve punishment, but aren't you thankful today? that the Father sent Jesus on ahead of you to keep you from losing your destiny, to keep you from losing your purpose, to keep you from losing your access to the Father. That's what Jesus did. He came as a representative from the Father with the love of the Father as his Son and our Savior to reconnect what was lost by humanity in the Garden of Eden. He ran to him. As I said, he restored him better than he was before he left. And he redeemed him with the fatted calf. The blood was shed. The smoke went up. And he was restored and redeemed. And let me say this, this Pentecost Sunday. God is still in the restoration business. And we, as a church, we are still in the restoration business. Galatians 6.1 says... Brethren, if any man is overtaken by a trespass You who are spiritual Gently restore that person Lest you also be tempted So we need to get the robes ready for the fall We need to get the rings ready Can I get an amen? We need to get the shoes ready, amen We need to get this place ready for A return of prodigals I'm thankful for all the concerts we've had in this place that have been packed. Famous musicians and preachers and graduations. Man, I'm thankful to see the community use this place. I'm thankful for the facilities. But this place was built for prodigals. It was built for prodigals. And I believe they are coming. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I'm gonna ask our pastors to go ahead and quickly make your way down this morning. I don't want to rush by this Pentecost Sunday without giving you an opportunity to be filled with the Holy Spirit or to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you want to be restored and redeemed by the Father, it comes through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. Perhaps this Pentecost Sunday is your day to receive a down payment of your inheritance, the Holy Spirit. Perhaps it's your day to finally stop running from your purpose and surrender to it. Perhaps it's your day to say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I've been going my own way. Please forgive me of my sins. Please come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your spirit and use me for your glory. Perhaps it's time for some of you to say, Daddy, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Perhaps it's time for some of you to stop attending this church and become a part of this family and start serving this place we need you I'm believing God for a hundred families that love God that know how to reach people for Jesus Christ to infiltrate this place to help this vision that's way bigger than I could ever imagine come to pass maybe you're one of those hundred families and you're going to say listen I want to be a part of the father's house I want to not just be a part or or attend I want to serve it because God's called me here Whatever it may be today, come to the Father. Say that with me, Abbas House. Come to the Father. Say it loud. Come to the Father. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet. Heavenly Father, thank you for your precious word. Thank you, Lord, that you are renewing our spirits in this season. You're refocusing us to you, Abba Father. Not to the world, not to religion, but Lord, you're adjusting our focus back to you during the month of June. And, Lord, we're going to worship you as our Father. We're going to love you as our Father. We're going to reach people under the anointing of Abba Father. Lord, we love you. We thank you for sending your best, your Son, to redeem us and restore us. Bless this church. Bless these people as they come today. May the power of your anointing and mighty baptism fall in Jesus' name. Amen. You come if God's leading.